Welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show, brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante along with Dustin Hawkinsmith. We are here to talk Penn State football and the Penn State win over Rutgers on Saturday. It was a 27-6 game. Dustin, before we get to the new offensive coordinator, until we, until we get to our quarterback controversy, let me start with this. Was this a good win? Uh, I mean, I think when you are in the position that you're in after Michigan and the, everything about the program, the way that James Franklin conducts his business is kind of questioned at that point, a decade worth of a lot of, you know, much more really good than bad, but all the bad seem to be concentrated against a couple teams. So you get rid of your offensive coordinator, you make that change. So I think anytime you're going through what they were going through and you can win and I think narrowly cover the point spread, I'd say, yeah, that's a good win. I mean, I don't think you come out of it with, with, uh, without questions and stuff, but, and, and really, you know, I, I don't think you can answer the good win question without getting into a little bit of the specifics. I don't think it would have looked as good if it weren't for Bo, Bo Perbula, though. I think so. And we, we've got to deal with that. But the first thing I think a lot of fans, I've been reading the reaction on forums, hearing some things, reading tweets. A lot of people are still, they're unhappy, and I get that, but Rutgers isn't a team you roll over like you had previously. This was, and you're right, it was like a 19-20 point spread. They beat the spread. Uh, they had games against people like Ohio State. They were beating Ohio State, I believe, at halftime or it was close. So they've given teams a very good game. They play very hard. They play tough, um, but I think a, a lot of folks saw a change in offensive coordinator and they thought would see a major difference in what the offense looked like. Take away what happened with Bo Prabola in the second half. We will get to that, I promise. But did it look any different with a new set of offensive coordinators, Dusty? I wouldn't say so. Uh, the results weren't all that different. That's for sure. I mean, I feel like anecdotally, maybe we saw a little bit more perimeter stuff on the ground. I think we saw maybe a little bit more purposeful usage of Drew Aller's legs uh, early in the game. And really, that was all, his ultimate demise was the use of his legs uh, in this game. But uh, so I think you saw some minor adjustments there. But I don't think this was the time with, you know, five, six days you're not going to turn the offense upside down. What I really wanted to see was, was there possibility for improvement in play calling a little bit more fluidity in, in the play calling. And I don't, I don't think I noticed any, nothing really jumped out, but we're talking about two guys trying to find their way in a partnership situation while also calling plays for the first time, not just coaching up their guys, their position groups, but calling the plays and 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 reading the game that way, one up top, one down on the field level. So I don't know. I mean, I think there 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 could definitely be um, improvement in the way that they go about this, and and maybe you start to see some uptick there. But there wasn't anything radical, I, I would say, 
Um, and I don't know if you'll see anything radical this coming week, you know, on, on a short week going to Detroit and playing Michigan State. Uh, so I don't know that that's the, that's the time to see radical change. What it will, could be interesting is, you know, okay, you get two games for these guys to, to get a feel for what they want to do and how to get into a rhythm with calling plays. Uh, and then you have the uh, uh, time off and then you have the bowl game. So maybe the bowl game is where you start to really see these guys uh, leave their mark here. But there wasn't enough time or energy or any of that to really make a significant change. But I did feel like you saw some small, subtle things that, that were different, again, through the first three quarters. Well, and maybe this is me looking at it wrong, Dusty, but I didn't expect there to be, oh, here's a totally different offense, totally different plays. But what I was looking for is a difference when they call the plays, how they call them in down and distance situations. And James Franklin, his words were, I want to see play calls with easier passes for Drew Aller. And just a heads up, a warning to everybody. You know, everybody knows what Jim's pet peeves are with the offense. Everybody (laughs) knows them. I'm going to bring up one of them now. I'm not done, though. I will be doing this throughout the show. So I'm warning you. Hey, bravo for your discipline of spacing this out. Not just not just firing it all out there. You know, you're if you're an offensive coordinator, you got six gadget plays. You're not calling them six plays in a row. You're saving them for the whole sixty minutes. I respect that. I didn't say I was holding them all off, Dusty. Still the quarter, <laughs> first quarter. Yep. I have plenty of time to throw in all six of my gadget plays before the end of the first all segment, right. but. The first play of the game, they called a simple pass for Drew Aller. Did they not? Yeah. So they called this pass play on first down. It was a simple play. It only netted three yards, but they still, he was one for one for positive yardage after one play. Now, this wasn't necessarily some new play that they implemented this week. To me, just the fact that they called that on first down made me think, okay, maybe we'll see a little bit difference how they do it. did it. And as I'm going to continue to give a little bit of credit, they also let Drew Aller use his legs. I know, I know those who are against it will say, see what happened using his legs is what got him hurt. But they did call specific run plays for him, the quarterback draw, whatever, and it was effective. So there were those couple little items, but they still, they essentially, after that first first down throwing the ball, I think I looked it up, there were three more passes thrown on first down the rest of the game. One was Bo Perbola's little one, and one was when uh, Drew Aller was hurt and he just shoved the ball off into the into the bench and said, "Take me out," you know. So they really didn't follow through on some of those things that I think they could have implemented pretty easily, Dusty. Yeah, and I can't really obviously relate to. Um... You know the job and 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 calling plays and how simple I'm sure it seems from you know the 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 sky view to to well what do you so you call you call plays but you know you do have to have a grasp of you know big picture small picture 
you know, and all that stuff changes th- throughout, you know, a lot of different variables come up that, that determine whether you're on schedule, off schedule, what you're trying to get done, why you're trying to get it done. First drive is, is pre-scripted. So you, you know, you, you're able to do that. The rest of the drive, the rest of the drives is kind of all bets are off, right. As far as what they're calling and why they're calling it. So I think maybe they just lost touch with what they really wanted to try to do because one three yard pass does not make a rhythm, <laughs> you know, and, yeah. and I, I, I respect that. I appreciate that. I, I even, I can appreciate getting to Catron Allen on, on second and seven then. Uh, I, I don't, I don't hate that, but, um, but yeah, it, it, it was a nice gesture at the beginning, but I don't think that fundamentally it was, a, it was really going to get Drew Aller into a rhythm at all. You did not see him in a rhythm in, in this game either. He, he looked like, you know, the, those three, four games that represented kind of the worst of what we've seen from Drew this year. This was, I think, a continuation of that. I, I didn't think we really saw a guy who was um, delivering it with confidence, who was on the same page with wide receivers. You saw a, a few different kind of sloppy execution type things on, on timing type routes where he was way off of where he thought the wide receiver was going to be. I don't know who's in the wrong there, obviously, but uh, you saw again, not a lot of separation, which doesn't change doesn't change things for Drew Aller, doesn't change things for, I don't care who's calling a play, it's still a challenge. But uh, but yeah, I, I think uh, they did not get Drew Aller into a rhythm. And if, if that one three-yard pass were designed for that, uh, it was not reinforced later uh, in, in this game. We didn't see him, you know, get into a, a lot of rhythm through situations at all. Well, it was just one play and it was me saying, oh, okay, maybe they're going to try here and we'll see it. Yeah. And as you pointed out, circumstances change everything. I believe they ran the ball on second down, and then on third down, do we know which receiver that ball was for? I thought I thought it, I thought Tyler Warren was a secondary target on that one. That's what I thought. Well, it was I uh, was a Cephas in front who the ball went. Uh, yeah, by and you, him. You saw that with Cephas a bunch. I don't know if they were makeable plays, but you you saw Dante Cephas was at, was at the heart of a lot of one on one stuff that did not go Penn State's way. Well, I just don't know if that pass was for him or was for Tyler Warren because watching it even at the stadium, it looked like oh it went past the intended receiver, and I'm going oh incompletion, and then oh it's hitting Tyler Warren in the chest. So yeah. was that who he intended it for? But the bottom line to it was it was a three and out, and Rutgers did exactly what Rutgers wanted to do. They went on a nine-minute drive. Yeah. And that's – um, it's hard to shake that negative feeling you have about the game whenever that's how it begins. Three and out into a nine-minute Rutgers drive – and suddenly you look up and it's like there's five minutes left in the first quarter and you're down three nothing. You felt like you didn't even get, you didn't even get a chance to do anything yet. Um, ultimately, you know, I, th- I think coaches and players and people on the sideline are able to remain more patient and understand better how long a 60 minute game really is. And, and you know, ha- if they stay committed to the things that are their strengths and blah, 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 that, that, that they're going to be just fine. But it doesn't feel just fine when there's that little time left, that little belief in the offense that was not uh, reinforced by the way that this game started and then getting the ball back down three, nothing. Yeah. It's a, it's a good win by the defense to, to hold up there, but you also saw Gavin, Gavin Wimsad. Is that the drive where he threw for like 50 yards? 
And it's like, okay, this guy's not supposed to be able to throw the ball. Or I, I think he had, he had a big keeper play on that, on that drive. I think it might be confusing drive. But either way, Wimzak got off to a hot start. Well, it, this was where, and we'll get to the defensive side of the ball, but it was where I said, uh-oh, they learned from Michigan. <laughs> they, uh, yeah. third and long, ran the ball, and they, they took advantage of Penn State, and it seemed like Penn State, adjust, the defense adjusted to it a little bit. But, Dustin, in your notes that you send me, you, you put in this phrase, and at the start of the second quarter, I'm going to ask you to explain it, and you said the new offensive coordinators, they didn't seem to really know what to do with Drew Aller either. And I didn't think of it that way, but I think I agree. I think yeah. I agree. I don't know but, what it means, but I like it. <laughs> but <laughs> I'm going to let you explain to us exactly what that. You're going to learn me in the start of the second quarter, Dusty, exactly what you meant. Stick around for that. Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. It's quarter number two on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It is quarter number two. He's Dusty. I'm Jim. We're talking Penn State Rutgers. Penn State beat the Scarlet Knights 27-6 on Saturday. And... Dustin, when we finished up Q1, I said you sent me in your notes a statement that I want you to explain, which was the new offensive coordinators really didn't know what to do with Drew Aller. <laughs> I think you're right, but I still need you to explain it. Yeah, and and honest to goodness, I you know I did that in sort of the the wee hours of Saturday night. Uh, put put that sentence together and. You know, I think part of the, the reference is, you know, I think James Franklin as a coach and Penn State as a program, you know, I, I think the success that they've had was always RPO driven. 
Uh, running quarterbacks ha- have won the day for Penn State. Christian Hackenberg, they didn't know what to do with Christian Hackenberg back in the day. I know it's a whole different supporting cast in terms of assistance, but I think the comfort level that you saw late in the third quarter in the fourth quarter was around the fact that they, they had a quarterback in there who could do damage with his legs, who could get defenses thinking and moving and moving their eyes from east to west, which I thought helped everything. You know, having a guy with the arm talent of Drew Aller uh, is a responsibility and a privilege at the same time. You know, you have you have to and and the fact that like yes, he is able to run, but you sort of have to force that isn't in the comfort zone, I believe, of of James Franklin and his staff. Um, so I don't think they have known really how to do that or what to do with that. They didn't know what to do with it in 2014 or 2015. And I don't think they know what to do with it now so much. Uh, it doesn't help that, you know, there's a total lack of separation. So if you're trying to lean on arm talent, you're not get, You're not going to get very far if your guys can't get open with that arm talent. So that's been the dilemma that, that, that they've been working with. And I don't know. I mean, I, I know that they started to find more success late in this game after Drew had gotten hurt, and there's no guarantee for anything moving forward. And I think that Bo Perbola came into the game in a pretty favorable situation in terms of, number one, uh, Rutgers starting to get a bit tired on the defensive side of the ball. They were starting to accumulate plays, and Bo contributed to that big time in the third and fourth quarters. Uh, and then number two, it really looked like as much as they might have known who Bo Perbola was, and if you saw him come in, in in a one-off situation, you can expect him to run the ball. It looked like they, the way that Rutgers defended RPOs didn't change that much when Bo came in. And I didn't really understand why, but I think to me it was like they they were still playing as if Drew Aller were back there and hadn't adjusted right away to the fact that this guy could could gash them. So um, a long long story short, you know, this brought back a lot of memories of Trace McSorley and the and the the ability of this coaching staff to coach that up and use that. You know, you, you talked about after Saturday and Sunday when Mike Yersich was let go. Uh, you talk about Joe Moorhead and it sounded ridiculous to me at first. Now it's like, oh man, okay, maybe they could use that. So I was thinking in terms of RPOs anyway. And then what happens in this game? The quarterback gets hurt and Bo Pabula comes in. They have a lot of success in the way that that goes. It could be a very different story if you have, have Bo Pabula start uh, Friday against Michigan State and have him be the source of the game planning right away. You're going to have to be able to mix in some pass there. I don't know if you'll be able to, in a 0-0 game, minute one of the first quarter, go run, 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 uh, the way that they did. But at least it was an identity, Jim. And I don't think they were able to build an identity to this point around Drew Aller. So that's a, a long walk for a short drink of water, I think. But th- nobody just seems all that comfortable with a five-star pocket passer in Penn State's program, and I don't think that's changed in a decade. Dusty, I think everything you say is factually accurate. However, <laughs> I'm not sure your conclusions are correct. Okay. <laughs> and, and let me ask you, who's got the correct conclusion, Jim? Who has that one? That might be me. Okay, might it, be it me. might be. It might be you. Okay, humble. <laughs> humble, I like it. Let, let me tear apart bit by bit. Some of the things that you said, Dusty. One of them, we started with, well, Rutgers may have been worn out by then. That's a bunch of crap. This game was shortened. Penn State had a total of only 53 plays from scrimmage. 53. 
And I could look at I should go and check and see how many they had in the first half. So at the point when Bo Prabula came in, no, that's a bogus excuse on your part. Worn out emotionally. How about that? Uh, you you can neither confirm nor deny that one. So uh, come on, just 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 get rid of that leftist wokest <laughs> oh, conclusions. There is Dusty. this where we're going? This is where we're going. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, I, I'm not I'm not going to comment on that. All I'm going to say is to our New Jersey fans, Chris Christie for president. <laughs> <laughs> We we better move on here. Uh, but <laughs> one of the things, and everyone who listens to the show knows the things that I've been arguing for, is in a read option, have an option. Have the option of the quarterback to run the ball. So apparently, in listening to our show, they said, I just said, make Drew Aller run the ball on quarterback draws. No, have him run as part of this read option. And when Bo Perbola came in, you finally saw that option. Now, I don't expect Drew Aller to run the ball in those read options the way that Bo Perbola does. I think he would be effective because they are crashing on the running backs. However, what I've said all along and I think is still the case, it's not so much that Bo Perbola was in the game. It was that you had a quarterback willing to run the ball on those read options. Do you know what effect this had, Dusty, on the running backs? I mean, I, I can definitely, I have my opinion of it, but I don't want to go through, I, I, I don't want to go through this whole thing where I put my heart and soul into, into a two and a half minute response only for you to say, that sounds factually correct, but by the letter of the law, that might be true, but you are wrong. So why don't I'm you just skip th- that and go right to it? Okay, I'm going to go right to the facts <laughs> here, Dusty. In the first half, this was Catron Allen and Nick Singleton. Catron Allen, nine carries for 24 yards, less than three yards a carry. Nick Singleton, five carries for 10 yards. That is two yards a carry. That's what they did. And we know that's been what the running game's been like all season. Now, all of a sudden, in the second half of this game, we have a quarterback who's willing to take the ball on the read option. Do you know what we get, Dusty? I'm going to tell you. We get Catron Allen going seven carries for 45 yards. That's over six yards a carry. Nick Singleton, six carries for 52 yards. That's more than eight yards per carry. Have we seen Nick Singleton this effective all year? I'll answer it for you, my friend. No, we have not. And... All year, somebody's been saying we need a quarterback willing to take the ball on the read option to help out the running backs. Did this game prove my case, Dusty? Yes or no? I mean, I there's only one right answer. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, one thousand percent. Yes. I mean, yeah. That's and it's it's funny. Like there's a lot that we don't know. You know what? What is the coaching staff telling him? you know, on this, like it better be wide open if you're going to expose yourself to, to that amount of risk. And then, um, you know, not only you have Drew Aller not running the ball often in the, out of that look in the first place, there's not a lot of respect there. And I stand by the fact that if Drew Aller is completely let go, nobody, nobody even looks at him. You crash on the running back. He keeps it. 
and he gets six yards. He exposes himself to to hits. I mean, I think that's the, that's something the defense is willing to take. But if you crash on the running back with Bo Perbola, he can make you play, make you pay on a much larger scale. And I think that that threat of it and that quickness and that ability to make a guy miss, like Drew is not going to make anybody miss. If there's open terrain, he's athletic and he's fast enough to take advantage of it. And hopefully he slides and gets down and, and takes his yardage and moves on to play another play. Um, so I think Jarrell, he's just not dynamic enough to really stoke a lot of fear. Uh, no matter what he's doing. But I also think, you know, just like they were, I think the coaching staff seemed a little overzealous about trying to get him to not make any mistakes throwing the ball. I think they're, they might've been a little overzealous telling him to not make any mistakes in terms of running the ball either. And, and I, I do agree with that. And I think that is the case. And, you know, the, when you made the statement about the offensive coordinators, not knowing what to do with him, I'm not sure I know the answer either, believe it or not. But I think I know what you shouldn't do, which is keep running this read option, but never exercise the option on it. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, it was like, it was like James Franklin's RPO itch had been bothering him all year. And that finally, in the last what, 17, 18 minutes or whatever in this game, he finally got a chance to scratch that itch. And it was fun for everybody involved. I don't know if it's long-lasting. I don't know how fundamental uh, the change that might be coming to the offense when it comes to Bo and Drew. I, there's, there's a whole conversation to be had about that. And we have people who feel you know, very, very strongly about wanting to see more of Bo Perbola anyway. Um, but yeah, I, I just don't think, anybody's really known how to manage all these different facets of it uh, until it becomes really obvious. Um, I had somebody, uh, we have a, through Penn Live, we have a text service and it's my job during the game to text with subscribers and just share my thoughts on the game or whatever. Somebody texted me and said uh, about Bo Perbola, he can't just run every time. He has to be able to pass. And I said, isn't it funny that you could say the exact opposite about, about Drew Aller? He can't just pass it every time or can't just hand it off. In the, in the case of the RPO, he's got to run. So now you have two quarterbacks who are on completely two, two completely different ends of the spectrum. I don't have a ton of confidence in Bo Perbola's ability to, to throw it uh, when he, he needs to make a big play with his arm. We haven't seen a, a real good uh, fundamental te- technical you know, passing from him. And just like I don't think if, if you needed seven yards, that Drew Aller is a guarantee to get it. He's shown some good things, but how you how you blend these th- two things together will be a really interesting thing on Friday night, and then again in the bowl game. Well, and we're running out of time for this segment, and I, I want to talk more about it. But just as a preview, Dusty, with Bo Perbula, I think it's unfair that it was said they just called running plays for him. Well, first of all, if you had and I gave you Catron Allen's numbers over six yards a carry, Singleton over eight yards a carry. And by the way, Bo Perbola over nine yards a carry. Guess what? You don't have to throw the ball. But it wasn't that they didn't call any pass plays. There was the one play, Bo is rolling out. The defense just parted like the Red Sea, Dusty. He had an easy run. It was a no-brainer for him to run on that, and he chose correctly. But when we come back, I want to talk about the play where he threw the ball, his one pass the whole time he was in there. 
but I think it's really worth examination, and we're going to do that when we come back. Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new Coffee Barbecue Dry Rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. Let's get back to the action on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It's quarter number three. He's Dusty. I'm Jim. I am continuing to school Dustin on the concepts of offense (laughs) in the college football world. And Dusty, I did mention I wanted to talk about the play where Drew Al, I'm sorry, Bo Perbull is one pass in the second half. It was, um, it's called a TTO, by the way. That's the advantage of having a Landon on our show. We ah, learn a little t- bit of the. Uh, What's TTO the short is, for? The first word's triple. The O is option. I'm not sure what the second T is. Maybe it's triple threat option. I don't know. Doesn't matter. Hey, but, listen, if, if if I get to drink it on a Friday night, I'm a TTO. That's a triple tinkle option. <laughs> I don't know where I'm that came sure from. not sure where that came from. But <laughs> moving on. In that play, though, we saw what – and I don't think it's a case where Drew Aller would be completely incapable of running this kind of play. It was pulled out of the running back. That was the first option. And Bo Prabul, he rolled to his left. He, of course, the second option. He could have run the ball, and Tyler Warren was there, and you put the defender in conflict. He had a choice to make, go after Pabula or cover Warren. He couldn't do both. Yeah. He ultimately came up to take on uh, Pabula, little toss to Warren, nine-yard pickup on first down, by the way, and you're now second and one. So, you know... I believe there will be people listening to this and say, wow, Jim is really lobbying for Bo Prabula. No, Jim is not. What Jim is saying is, you got to give the threat, Dusty. Just the threat of doing that should be enough. 
because if you if the other team says, well, you know, Drew Aller's not that athletic, we're not even going to worry about him. He could waltz for ten yards. And I think the other thing, as opposed to the quarterback sneak on these read options where he's going out the backside, the sideline is his friend also. Get the yardage you can, get out of bounds, and you're not taking the hits that you would almost have to take with a quarterback draw. Oh, yeah. It's an, with that, that quarterback draw, I mean, you can be head on a swivel, aware, conservative, get down. You're not always seeing where those defenders are coming from because they can come from 360 degrees all around you, at least with the sideline there. You know that white boundary. Unless dudes are bouncing off the sidelines, you're pretty safe on that side, that part of the field. So, yeah, there's that. Um, <clears throat> I don't know. I mean, I, I think that same play works with Drew Aller. Um, one gripe that I have, and this is – kind of neither here nor there, I guess, with Drew Aller is that remember what we saw from him rolling to his right against West Virginia? And have we seen him roll to his right one time since, since then? There's a good example of not knowing what to do with Drew Aller. We saw he can improvise. If, if, if it's open on that side of the field, he can get you a first down that way. It opens up a lot. I know it cuts the field in half, but on second and one, second and two, you know, if you're fortunate enough to ever be in those positions, which sometimes it feels like they're not. Um, it's not bad, a little play fake and a, and a little waggle to to his right so he can you know, roll out to his right and see what he can make happen. And, Dusty, if you remember our discussions after that West Virginia game was his ability to go through his progressions. And it may be the second or third option, and he was buying himself a little bit of time and this is when you say, what can you do with him? That's special arm talent that he has. He can make throws. And I'm thinking, you know, there was a throw or two to Trey Wallace that looked a little bit of, like he was going across his body. But he was making a throw that I'm not sure a lot of college football um, quarterbacks could make. Yeah. And you're, you are exactly right. And you're sort of kind of answering my next question, which was going to be, you know, okay, what should these coordinators be doing with Drew Aller, <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean, you, you talk about rhythm throws. I mean, he is, especially when he's in this place where he he's searching a bit when it comes to his fundamentals. And straight dropbacks, I think, are going to be a strength of his. But right now, I don't think they are. I don't. I, I think his his level of self-belief isn't all that high. They've been through a lot. He's been through a lot. You know, the, the comfort zone, I think, to me, is almost like you, you need to let him improvise a little bit and let him get out and just, and just uh, you know, play grounded up. Sketch out a play in the dirt and let him, I don't care if it cuts the field in half, let him get out where he's comfortable and let him throw on the run off one foot. He throws it very, very well in those situations. But to me, you know, we we talked about it, I think, a little bit with, with Landon last week, that show that we did that you said was never going to repeat itself in the future <laughs> uh, because you were like the principal with like the two the two school cut-ups uh, there in, in the office. Um, but I, I think at least... There's no, there was no word or set of words to describe what Mike Yurcich offense is. What, what is his offense? You know, how do you tie that back into identity? So if you're going to go run, 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 at least it's something at some point. And, and this is what I think Mike Yurcich did not do a very good job with. At some point on 
a key drive on a scoring drive, when you get into the red zone, when you get into third and short, second and short, second and goal, there are going to be instances, usually multiple on a scoring drive, where your uh, belief in what you do is tested. And you have a choice to either get up there and, and get cute and try to trick a defense or say, I don't care if you know what's coming. We do this. This is what we do. This is what we're built to do. Stop it or not. We don't, you know, at least with that RPO stuff that we saw with Bo Perbola, we saw something that would be a core nucleus of an offense. And then you build off of that. At least there was an identity there. And now let's, on the flip side with Drew Aller, what is that identity? You're right. And what I look at is who had on their bingo card, there would be two completions to wide receivers. And those two would go to Amari Evans and Liam Clifford, right? But those plays in the middle of the field where we got to see some of that arm talent from Drew Aller, I see those and I say, not why. I say, why not more often? (laughs) Yeah. It's really hard to say. I mean, I I think – Offensive coordinators and offenses and quarterbacks, they're not usually built to throw it when, I mean, the whole offense is designed to scheme guys open, to give them opportunities to create space, but they can't create space. That that play where Omari Evans caught the 25-yarder was not by his good doing at all. I didn't really know what, what his release was. The guy was with him the entire way. Drew Aller just squeezed it. In there, just got it in there, and and Omari Evans credit to him for holding on to the to the ball. Liam Clifford got open, so there's that one. But yeah, I mean, let let it let him cook is is one of those things where it's like, okay, this guy's rare, you know. And I, I think sometimes no matter what he's seeing, like you just got to give him the opportunities to to drop back and fire. But uh, again, I would love to see him on some sprint out rollout type stuff to to get him into a rhythm. And this whole and. Let's talk about those wide receivers a little bit, Dusty, and that lack of ability to separation. I keep saying, well, should not the coaching staff be able to scheme them open a bit? Yeah. You know, you you hear about this, you clear out a zone or you run crossing patterns, and it's oftentimes not some unique talent of the wide receiver. It's the concepts that opens things up. And is it these receivers aren't reading the defense properly? As you said, you know, there's just a lack of connection sometimes between Aller and all the receivers, but we specifically saw it with Cephas. And you mentioned, though, Liam Clifford. He did get separation, did get open. Well, you know what? That's so rare, and we saw that with Liam Clifford on that play. Gee, I'd kind of like to see that again. So how many times did they target him after that play, Dusty? I think it's zero, right? Is it zero? Tar- he, he had one target and it was that catch for 12 or 15 yards or whatever it was. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it, it, we, we, we were trying to simplify something that's not simple when it comes to play calling, when it comes to knowing how to manage your personnel and knowing how to manage an, your offense. What You know, I, I think coordinators do it all the time, though. You know, guys who are who are who are paid to to clear out. You know, there's a lot of wide receivers who get to the NFL and have no idea how to run routes. You know, their route tree was one, and so they they play they played in an offense where that's what that player was asked to do, and that player did a great job of doing that one thing. 
So why can't something similar be done here? Um, and correct me if I'm wrong. Like, I just feel like, you know, you saw with like Joe Moorhead, for example, there's just a lot of rub route type things, you know, crossing patterns where, where you create traffic. Have we seen really any of that this year? No. So like, really, if you do have that one arm tied behind your back, are you maximizing whatever it is the opportunity that you have is? And I think it's no, the wide receivers are not creating separation They're That's not their, uh, their cup of tea. Um, we've had this conversation a lot of times about Penn state wide receivers, but, uh, I don't think from a play calling and coaching perspective, you are managing that weakness well enough. So dusty, you know, the thing is, and I was bragging about what I would do as offensive coordinator and, the proof was there when Bo Prabola was in the running backs, they excelled. I, I, you know, I don't think it was so much Nick Singleton and Catron Allen lost the ability to run the ball. They just didn't have the same opportunities. And I wonder, you know, as we're so critical of the wide receivers, do they need just need some help in getting schemed by the coaching staff, which leads to the question, you know, what are we looking for in that new offensive coordinator? What do you want, Dusty, and who do you want, and what difference would it make? Well, I mean, I think the the whole going back to hiring Mike Yurcich and firing Kirk Shiraka, it was a little. I mean, it just it's it's hard to include anything, but James Franklin was just uncertain at the time, and I think he got a coordinator who I, I think he admired Mike Yurcich's ability to take a cocktail napkin and, and, and draw up an incredible play out of nowhere. And that's great. Um, but I, I don't know if there was ever really a marriage between the energy and the philosophy of James Franklin and the energy and the philosophy of Mike Yersich. I don't think those two went together. I think at, at his heart, James Franklin wants a dual threat quarterback. He wants an RPO offense. He wants to build around that ground game. He wants to create that and, 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 I don't think Mike Yersich was ever really on the same page, no matter how much James Franklin tried to bring him back. So I think somebody who ties into that RPO thing, I mean, the longer we go, the better the, the better Joe Moorhead sounds. I didn't think you could go back to the same well twice, but I think the circumstances are interesting, and I think the personnel is interesting, and I think he could do something a little bit more with Drew Aller as well. All right, Dusty. We'll talk a little bit more about Joe Moorhead when we come back, but then I also want to spend a little bit of time on the defense. We'll get to that in quarter four. Hey, guys. This is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. 
Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, statecollege.com. Trust statecollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. We head to the home stretch in quarter number four on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It's quarter number four. He's Dusty. I'm Jim. Before we get to the defense, Dusty, we were just wrapping up about who we won in as the offensive coordinator when we were finishing up quarter three. You were mentioning Joe Moorhead. I don't think James Franklin's going to go back to that well. That's just my opinion. And I'm a little bit hurt, Dusty, that that was your recommendation. When sometimes, literally, Dusty, the answer is sitting right in front of you. (laughs) I would love to see... It could be you specifically, or it could be any fan, just a one-off. Let's see what a fan can do with the headset on. All right, you're so smart. Let's see what you can do. What should we do with Drew Aller? Go ahead and do it and just see how overwhelmed that person is. But yeah, I mean, they've got to figure out who they are and who they want to be and where Drew Aller fits into that. Where does any pro-style passer fit in fit into that you know you've had two guys who i think going back to their prospect days sean clifford and drew aller it's like they are sufficient athletically they are they they're they're enough athletic they're probably a little more than enough but when push comes to shove i mean and, and it doesn't have to be the rpo it doesn't have to be quarterback runs you don't have to have that threat you have to have something though when you need five yards or you need four yards, you need to have something that you can stand on and feel confident with. And we're back kind of in that time. And I feel like, you know, we were in the same place when like Ricky Ronnie was calling the plays uh, five years ago where you're, it's guesswork. It's guesswork. Like your conviction isn't strong enough in any one thing that when it says like toe to toe, you know, what's coming. Uh, I'm going to throw my best fastball. And, and dare you to hit it. Penn State doesn't really have a best fastball there. It's all guesswork. You don't know what's coming there. And part of that's good, unpredictable, great. But they haven't really banked anything that says, we're, we'll go back to this well. It worked for us a bunch of times before. Third and three, we know how to get this. When you, don't have, when you have a quarterback who you can't really guarantee can run, um, it makes those situation's a little bit harder. How do you go about getting three yards? Penn State doesn't really have anything in its playbook to even come close to guaranteeing that. Yes, there's just no creativity to, and you take these two very talented running backs and all of a sudden they're not quite, not nearly as talented. How does that happen? And like I said, I thought we got a glimpse of what we could still see from those running backs with what we saw in the second Man. half of this game. And they, they had so much bounce in their step, didn't they? I mean, you had a quarterback who was hitting the edges again and again and again, and the defense has to see that, read that, anticipate that. It starts getting people, like I said before in the, in the joke, starts getting their eyes and their bodies moving side to side instead of full-on focus on, on containing their gap. 
It complicates the thinking. It complicates how you defend things. And when you're in that little bit of conflict and these, these linebackers, whoever safeties are having to read and trust and, and respect the, um, the abilities of, of your quarterback, it changes the game for Nick Singleton. And Katron Allen, I don't think you can argue that. I'm pretty sure, and I don't know if this messes with your numbers, but um, Singleton was seven carries for 18 yards uh, when Bo came in. That, that's what I th- what I think he was. And what did he what did you say he finished with? I, I just went first half, second half. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, and yeah. Singleton was five carries for 10 yards in the first half, and the second half he had just one more carry. He just had six carries, but oh, by the way, 52 yards. And like yeah. you said. Uh, 52 yards and a bounce in his step. Yeah. And, you know, it, it, let's just say for, and, and this is far from a done deal. We're sitting here on Sunday uh, evening. We don't know what James Franklin's going to say about Drew Aller next. We don't know how they're going to manage this situation. We don't know if there's anything remotely serious. Uh, are, are you going to err on the side of, of keeping your quarterback on the sideline? I don't think fundamentally Drew Aller being the guy has changed. Um, so I think if, if you get a layoff and you get the bowl game, Drew Aller's your, your guy. You're going to see more Bo Perbola. You can't not have more of him af- after all this. But, um, but yeah, I, I think it, it just changed how this offense ran. It had, the off- it had the offensive line feeling good and rolling downhill and, and feeling powerful and confident. I don't know. I mean, it, I don't think you can argue that this was a really, really good performance in this situation from Bo Perbola. And I think if you have a chance, if you make the decision early in the week that Bo Perbola is your starting quarterback for Friday at Michigan State, now you can start thinking a little bit more in terms of like, okay, you 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 run, uh, you you do damage on the outside on the quarterback runs, you create opportunities for your running backs, and then the next tier of that, just like we talked about with Mike Yersich last year, using that uh, jumbo package with the with the tight ends in there. Now you start to parlay and and add some more wrinkles to that off of there. You haven't had that chance with Boperbola yet, uh, and and it'll be interesting to see you know if he does have a, a a game, you know if he does have more than a few series, how do they coach? To, to manage around and try to get his arm involved in things. And Dusty, I'm not concerned. Again, you know, oh, Drew Aller, he only threw it once, so we don't know if he can throw the ball at all. He, he's not, Bo Perbull is not Drew Aller. We know that. But he's, I don't think he's incapable of throwing the ball. But what I also am most concerned about is conceptually, can the offense build on itself? Could you run this to open up something else? There was just within the running game, and I forget which series it was, where there were three plays in a row. And I don't know if it was running back, then quarterback, then running back, or quarterback, then running back, then quarterback. But it just seemed like you were one step ahead of Rutgers where, oh, shoot, now I got to cover that guy. And then they gave it to the other guy. Then that third option where not the running back, not the quarterback running it, a little flip to the tight end. If you're Rutgers at that point, you throw up your arms because that's what that offense was supposed to do. Put that defender, that one defender in conflict. He's got to make a decision, and whichever way he decides, he's wrong. And yeah. that's what they were able to do. And I would, yes, they still have to have the situation. I would have liked to have seen, like I said, there were one or two plays where they called passing plays for Bo, but again, it just opened up for him to run the ball. They, if they're giving you 15, 20 yards, you take them. And that yeah. was the situation. I wish, 
we would see some of that kind of thing with Drew Aller in the game. And it just doesn't feel like we've even seen from him the RPO where if he's not going to give it to the running back, he throws the ball because because of the read. Real quick, Dusty, just so we can get to it. Um, on the defensive side of the ball, <laughs> this defense is still wonderful. And, you know, pick the highlight. Who do you want to talk about? Do you want to talk about um, Kobe King? Do you want to talk about K.J. Winston? Do you want to talk about Chop Robinson? Do you want to talk about the fact that they held this very good running back from Rutgers to less than three yards a carry? Your choice, Dusty. What do you want to talk about? Uh, my answer is yes. Um, all, <laughs> all of those things. Now, I mean, I think we've seen KJ Winston. Sometimes it takes a, a big play, a takeaway, something like that to really reinforce and, and wake to, to a safety. When you're watching a game on TV and you can't really see what the safety's doing if he's not making a play on the ball or a ball carrier, uh, it's hard to really understand, I think, how good KJ Winston's been. But as a sophomore, I mean, this, this guy is the real deal. You saw him get that little bit of run there with his first uh, interception. And we saw Chop Robinson. Um, it is so unfair. Like his his get off and his burst off the edge, he is at a full sprint the entire time. I don't know how anybody blocks him. Like he came in like a missile on Gavin Wimsat when he, uh, what he, for, he forced the fumble and re- he, he recovered it. So Chop Robinson is a legit, legit talent. You know, if you had any any doubts whether he's a maybe a top half of the first round type guy, I think that's what we've seen from him since he came. And he came back from injury to do that. Johnny Dixon, I didn't know this until I read Penn State's notes. No, no defensive back in the country has more sacks than Johnny Dixon does. He's got four, uh, one apiece in, in his last five games, forced to fumble in this game. Uh, but yeah, I think it, it's so telling that we spent we this show's sixty minutes long, including commercials. We spent uh, what a, what it ended up being about 50, 55 of those minutes, fifty three of those minutes talking about offense and coordinators and quarterbacks. It's so automatic that this group is going to get the job done at in a high level that it's hard to even talk about it anymore because it's the same thing that shows up. Like yeah, I think when when you come off Michigan. And the season slips away from you and the goals slip away from you. And then it's Rutgers coming to town. I think there's kind of a tendency to start off with a, a little bit uh, less energy than than you would want. Uh, and I think they may, maybe were guilty of that in this game. And especially the way that it went with that nine-minute drive. But once they settled in, it's the same defense we've seen every single week. Uh, different guys making plays, terrorizing quarterbacks, playing the run extremely well. You know, I was con- so concerned about this coming into the season. Uh, I, I, it's only right that I give them their credit of how well they've defended the run. And that's discipline, that's speed, that, that's everything. But uh, this this defense was so good. I know Rutgers' offense isn't a world-beating offense by any mean means, but you know they settled in and they made life miserable, really, after that first drive. And Dusty, just to put the numbers behind what you're talking about, that first drive was a 14-play drive. After that, they had eight more possessions, and there were five three and outs. I, actually, I lied. There were really four three and outs and one two and out where there was the fumble. So those five drives equal the number of plays of that first drive. Yes. There you go (laughs) with the arithmetic, Dusty. Look at you. I'm on it. I'm on it. So it was impressive. And I think you made a good point about KJ Winston. If you're there and if you're paying attention to him, 
his presence is known so much with how he helps out against the running game. But in that interception, you mentioned Johnny Dixon and his ability to blitz. Remember, on that play, it was both Johnny Dixon and and Kalen King both coming from the same side, which forced the quarterback to look that way and assume there was an opening there. And here comes uh, K.J. Winston anticipating the play, knowing his assignment and getting there. One last quick note on a Mark colleague, Landon, who obviously knows from the inside. He says, Jim, this guy, he's going to be a captain one day. He's the guy when I show up at the, uh, you know, uh, at the facility at 530, he's already been there for an hour. Yeah, it's a great combination. You see his length, you see his speed, you see how solid he is, how technical he is. I mean, this kid's going to be a really, really good player. He's already a really, really good player. I mean, could be kind of future All-America type stuff there at, at safety if, they, if the progression continues. And you know, the hits just keep coming with it. And remember, we're still going to have Abdul Carter, K.J. Winston, Denai Dennis Sutton, Tony Rojas, all coming back next year after you lose all this talent like Kalen King and Chop Robinson. Thank you all for listening. Make sure you join us next time on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new Coffee Barbecue Dry Rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love.